This is the talk of Music City Real Estate. Welcome back to another episode of the Talk of Music City Real Estate. Where we educate and motivate all things real estate. My name is Monty Moore with Realty One Group Music City. Hey, and I'm Carrie Ann with CMG Financial and my mortgage team. Every week we'll be posting a new episode of Chock Full of Nashville Real Estate Value. Yes, and you can sub- you can follow along <laughs> and subscribe at thetalkmusiccity.com. Got a question for us? Ask away at questions at talkmusiccity.com. That's questions at talkmusiccity.com. Monty, we're getting all tongue-tied here today. I know. It's, I'm just, uh, we're done? just excited. I'm, I'm have so you this before? I know. I mean, I've never done it before. I think it's because we have the one and only I know Jason it. I know back it. in we, the studio with know us it. today. I mean, all this extra scrutiny he brings to the whole picture, you know? I mean, how could we do done it without you here? I don't know. We limped, Welcome we back, limped pal. Jason. We limped without you. I'm glad you yeah, have you back, man. Yeah, yeah. And we have. Man, the, I limped by myself, so yeah. I, <laughs> that was a rough month and a half. Oh, oh, my goodness. Shout out for anybody who's gone, gone through uh, um, kidney stones. Mm. Yeah. We avoid don't want that anybody. Yeah, I'm just a local it. rock star here. So. <laughs> it's just a local there you rock go. star. Hey, <laughs> where's your numbers? There, there we go. Too funny. All right. Awesome. Well, we That's have awesome. a front, a fun, a front. Can I talk today? Not so much. What do we got going on today? The one and only. Yes. Midtown. Downtown from Midtown is Mr. Chris Carbo, the owner of uh, Midtown Title. Yes. Welcome, Chris. Yay, Chris. Good to have you back. And we're going to be talking about all things tall and skinny, and that doesn't include me. I'm so glad. Ha, ha, ha. It's six foot five and 190 we got all, pounds. This is pure comedy here today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jim, you're, you're late to the dance, dude. I thought this Come was on. a different channel here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so much to keep up with. No, but, but, seri- but, but seriously, um, you, know, we, you know, everybody, every real estate professional needs to know all they can about this topic, about how are these, how are they getting all these little skinny homes on, uh, on two of them on a lot. We're well, I'm excited to talk more about because I'm running into some some snags with some zoning and some different you are. some yeah. different things here with with some clients doing some things that they thought they could do that they can't, you mm-hmm. know, and this mm-hmm. and that. So this would be a great conversation. But before we get started, let's just give a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Music City Removal. They're the number one junk removal service in Nashville from residential, commercial, and construction. They're experts in ridding you of junk. Their costs include labor and dumping fees without any hidden or added expenses. So whether you need a full clean out or just one item removed, they have you covered. The Music City Removal team knows the importance of respect and trust while in someone else's home. They understand the inconvenience of junk left behind of previous homeowners and tenants and are determined to provide an affordable and customer-focused junk removal service that puts you first. For a free on-site estimate, go to musiccity.com. That's musiccityremoval.com. Yes, because Music City Removal... And clutter ain't cute. <laughs> you know. Hey, we're, we're, we're on top of it. We're going to go with it great. today. <laughs> we, Shazam. Shazam is right. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. Uh, we are not quitting our day job. No, no, we're not we are not. We're going to stick with no, what we know. But we're con- we are going to continue to bring value yes. to the marketplace. So you know what I'm saying? We will. And so today we're talking tall and skinny. Tall and skinny. Homes. Homes. I'll never think about it the same again. <laughs> Monty saying, hey, uh, it's talking about myself. So every time I'm going to see one of these, uh, I'm going to drive by and go, Monty Moore. <laughs> no, don't want to do that. Don't so do that. that would be an HPR or otherwise known as. Does anybody know what HPR stands for? Yeah. Otherwise known as dot, 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 dot. Hipper. Horizontal property regime. Okay. Horizontal, horizontal property, property regime. regime. What, what, the, what does that what mean? What a technical name. Yeah. yeah, it is super very technical. I like technical. tall and skinny's better. I've been uh, called, called tall and skinny all my life. I think Regime. people... That just has a tone I know. To it. it sounds like a army barracks or something. Yeah. 
depending on who you ask, they may have different words for it that we can't say <laughs> on air because not everybody loves them. Okay. Right. But it's really just the way that way that the world works anymore. So mm-hmm. to, to really understand the tall and skinnies, it's important to understand really where they came from. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I've, I always tell everybody that I've been in the business since we signed on stone tablets. So forever ago, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it forever. And back when I started here goes that conversation back in my day, mm-hmm. um, it was either a condo or a single family residence. Right. That's what it was. There mm-hmm. was no difference between the, it was one or the other right. very clear delineated line between one and your attached or detached done and done done and done mm-hmm. well then all of a sudden somebody figured out hey maybe we can put more than one house on a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not call it a condo so how do we do that and so you know we talk about the, the tennessee uh, condominium act which was reformed in 2008 and this is kind of where all this started is uh, they had to determine there was a lot of old language in the old statutes that really was super confusing because people started building more houses on a single lot. So when you own a condo, it's important to know that all you really own when you own a condo is the airspace between the walls, right? We all know that. Mm-hmm. You own no dirt, and that's going to be the number one key on every conversation we talk about with HBRs. Who owns the dirt underneath? The condo is owned by, it's owned in common by the condo association. The association, mm-hmm. okay. So every member who owns a unit in the condo association has an interest if there's a hundred units in the condo association, then you have a one one hundred percent ownership interest in the common areas, mm. parking lots, dirt, pools, gyms, whatever it may be mm-hmm. that's cetera, that's considered common area. Okay. Mm. Condo, that's how it works. On a single family residence, very easy, right? You own right. a piece of dirt. Right. You own everything you that's on a piece of dirt and that's what you own. Well, when you see these tall and skinnies, um, what you have is you still have one piece of land. That's it. It's one lot. But there's multiple pieces, there's multiple structures on there, single family residence. Mm-hmm. They could be attached or detached. It really doesn't matter. But they actually own the dirt that lays underneath them. Okay. And that's what separates HPRs, tall and skinnies from condominium is that there's actually dirt ownership that goes on there. So that's number one that you everybody has to realize. You do own a piece of dirt. Mm-hmm. That, that's dirt ownership is what's, if you could split, if you could um, draw a line between the two, or is there an outline, of, you know, an outline above it showing the dirt that they own, or how does that work? Well, that's the beauty of it. it they're all different. Oh wow! They could all, they could be done a, a million different ways. Okay, some of them it's it's really nice and pretty. It's just a lot with a line down the middle, and one person owns one part and one person owns the other. Those mm-hmm. are probably the simplest ones, and sure. you you see those a lot everywhere, right? Just mm-hmm. two tall and skinnies. Mm-hmm. But what about the ones that are front to back nowadays, right? How right, many houses right. do you see that are I call them stacked? Right. You know, you have one in the front and one right. in the back. And and sometimes there's even larger ones. There's a there's developments like out in uh, Bellevue called Woodbury Townhomes. There's 115 units out there. That's, wow. It's one piece of dirt with 115 units on it. And every single one of those units own the dirt that it sits on. No kidding. But the rest of it, like the parking areas and in, in, in the swing set areas and stuff, is it's it's common it's a common area so is that considered a pud though or is that considered an hpr it's considered it's a planned unit development it is an hpr that is a planned unit development because there is common ownership of other parcels with i mean other pieces of land within the community itself and i think that's one thing as real estate agents where we can get clearly tongue-tied and that was all themed earlier right yeah, we it was that was really a themed we concept because this is one that uh, tongue-ties many of us right mm-hmm. so you know is it a condo you know is it a pud um 
you know, sometimes like you referenced horizontal property regimes, sometimes people throw in the bucket of condo, but not always, right? Right. So, so what happened was when the condo act was redone in 2008, it spelled out what creates a condo and what creates the horizontal property regime. And so the statute says in order for it to be a horizontal property regime, it requires five things that they have to have. Okay. So the little PowerPoint, I did it. I taught a class the other day on this to some real estate agents. Heard rave reviews, by the way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and my, my little PowerPoint here has buttons. It says, isn't as simple as yes or no. And, right. the, and it says a yes button, a no button, a maybe button, and a sorry, no answer <laughs> button. Right. Cause uh, th- that's what it is. And, but the statute says it's got to have five things to qualify for it. I ain't going to bore everybody cause it's very definition heavy. Um, but I'll, I'll just name them all. Yeah. But it says it has to have a declaration of covenants, um, which is the rules and regulations. Sure. Um, it has to have bylaws, um, which are, uh, which which manages the uh, homeowners association itself. I mean, it has to have a plat. And here's there's going to be three words that I want to key in on when we talk about this and go through the discussion. Um, but one of the words is it has to have a, two of the words. It has to have a plat map showing private ownership and common ownership. Okay. Okay. The actual word is private element and common element. Mm-hmm. But I like to simplify the terms for people mm-hmm. and call them private ownership and common ownership. There's a third word that we'll go over too, and it's going to be a limited common element, but we'll talk about that shortly. Um, it has to be incorporated with the Secretary of State as a nonprofit HOA, and then it also has to have an attorney's opinion letter where an attorney reviewed the documents and said it does conform with the law. So those five things, wow. you can classify it as an HPR. As an HPR. Okay. So one thing to always know is dirt ownership, okay? So if you have like a mid-rise or a high-rise, Mm-hmm. It can never, ever, ever be classified as a planned unit development, right? Because there, it doesn't touch any dirt. Sure. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, if you see anything that does not touch the dirt, there's no way it can be considered a planned unit development. And Carrie Ann, I, I want you to weigh in on this some too, because there's a huge difference in financing. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's really important to know, A, what you're about to list, take a moment, you know, call Midtown or talk to the title company of your choice and really figure out exactly what you're looking at. Um, it, you, it may be attached, but it may be considered a condo. It may be, you know, Monty Moore's condominium complex and it still be a PUD, right? The name of it may still have condo in the name, but it's still considered a PUD. If it's truly a condo when it comes to conforming financing, you have to make sure, A, it's FHA approved, VA approved, or warrantable, Fannie and Freddie, right? If it's not, you can't get regular conforming financing. So if it is a PUD, planning development, I do own the land underneath, PUDs move me direct, like, straight to go, (laughs) you know, no stops. You can go and get any type of financing that you want uh, when it comes to that. So a lot of folks are saying, Hey, you know, I can't get this condo approved. And I stop and I say, is it really a condo? Mm -hmm. Is it an, Mm -hmm. is, does, is it a townhome? You know, is it, does it look, are they side by side or are they on top of each other? As soon as they say on top, I move, yes, it is a condo because there's no way that I can own the land if someone's above me, right? Um, Or someone's below me. But if it is uh, side by side, most likely we can look into if it is truly is a um, HPR or a planning development. And automatically you and I are going to ask them for the CCNRs or the master policy, master deed. The master deed. And that's stuff that we look up because we have access to public records. So uh, that's a lot of times we get those calls probably 10 times a day where people are like, Hey, can you tell me what this is? And the unfortunate part about our business, right? There's a lot of interchangeable words. We all use a Mm -hmm. lot. The term escrow. I mean, how many times do you hear that? Insurance in uh, townhome duplex, 
condo, apartment. I mean, these are all words that are that are interchangeably used when it comes to these types of products. Hmm. But they can ultimately mean a lot of different things. Right. Usually more marketing terms, right? They're not the core exactly, of what it is. Right. Like I just said, I mean, they can have condo in the name of the complex and it'd be a PUD, you know, and not truly a condo in the eyes of, you know, mortgage financing. The condo uh, statute actually calls it an apartment. Really? Doesn't even doesn't even call it a condominium. It mm. calls it an, it an apartment on there. So you, you have to be, there's a lot of terms that people use. Duplex is one of them a lot of times. Hey, it's a duplex. Still doesn't make it where you own the dirt. You could it could really be a condominium mm-hmm. once you look at all the factors that go into it. So you just can't take somebody's word saying, "Hey, this is a townhome. Uh, this is a single family residence." Uh, it has to conform. And before two thousand and eight, you know, at least now we have a set of rules we have to play by, mm-hmm. and it tells us if it, if it has these things, we can we can consider either a condo or a single family mm-hmm. residence. Before that, there was no rules. It was kind of like the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so they could have this, they could have that, they could have some of it. And this is the truth. This is how we govern this. If it walked like a duck and quacked like a duck, it was pretty much a duck. Mm-hmm. And I it, mean, if it said condo in the in master deed, you and I assumed it was a condo. The attorney's opinion letter that's required now mm-hmm. was never required before 08. So nobody had that. Mm. And so that was missing from everything from 08 back. Mm. Um, so what we would try to do is look at how many char- characteristics that it have what did the covenants talk about land ownership and try to make some sort of determination about what, how to classify this piece mm-hmm. of property because it made a difference for financing mm-hmm. and again if you have it depends upon like if if the condo complex is 20 units or 200 units you know there's there are specific ownership um, limited percentages as well, right? So if yes. one person owns so much, so many units, and there was a time back in 08 that some builders just took back all their properties, right? And so those condos that were once warrantable weren't at one time, right? We couldn't wow. get conforming financing. Um, the other thing is when you look at that master policy, um, am I saying it right? Master policy? Master deed? Master deed. Okay. If you're looking at that or the CCRs and you see condo, 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 don't just assume it's a condo. He, he referenced two terms, private elements, common elements, right? So if it's private, that means I own this, the land underneath. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the definition. And I hate okay. reading the people because they're kind of like, uh, you know, it, you can get lost in translation, but it basically means a private element is the units shown on the plot. It's exclusive ownership and use for private elements for each unit is reserved for that unit. And it's just it includes the entire residence, the improvements in the dirt constructed on the unit. Got it. So it sets private elements, but just always think private ownership. Right. So if you're somebody looking Mm -hmm. at one of these products, you want to know what you're privately going Mm -hmm. to own. And or if you're an agent working with a new builder or developer, they get really excited about the opportunities. You want to slow the process down a little bit and Mm -hmm. get with the title company because you want to make sure that it's legally properly zoned depending upon wow. not zone but pr- <laughs> legally um the legal description right is yes. set up properly that allows for the best financing because if it's a brand new construction then you're stuck with you have to for a true condo you have to have so many sales before you can even try to apply to get uh conforming approval yeah and common elements is the second one okay big okay. word it's what you would own in common so you have to determine what you own in common in every master deed or covenants that you have down has a plat map attached to it and it should illustrate on there what's privately owned and what's commonly mm-hmm. owned. And so it's important to know what you own in common. Do you share a driveway with the other person? Do you have an assigned parking space with that person? Mm-hmm. Are there other, any other, you maybe have a roof line that's even shared. 
who maintains that roof line. Sure. So it's all in the documentation. And the average person's not going to go read all the documentation online. It's really up to us to help guide our customers mm-hmm. and clients to understand what it is that they are purchasing. Right. Um, so they know because once you buy it, everybody knows it's too late. You already own it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also when you talked about the wild, wild west, right? So let's yes. say you and I bought this property and you attached a PUD rider to it during the wild, wild west, right? Days. Type of thing. It may not be a PUD. So it may have been, you know, um, closed wrong, wrong at the time, right? So now what we're finding too is back in the day, we were just like, hey, pull the last rider and you're good. That'll tell you. That doesn't tell you all the time anymore. Yeah, and the riders would go on the deed of trust, which is basically, it just confirms the classification assigned to the property, Mm -hmm. whether it was a condominium or a single family residence Mm -hmm. uh, with an HOA. And if we chose wrong. Right, that's what I'm saying, yeah. uh, We could be held liable for that. And so there was always, it gave me such heartburn, Uh, you know, especially when you couldn't tell and it was really, really close to being Mm -hmm. one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in the lender, in the realtors, they all wanted to be a planned unit development for financing because once it becomes a condo, not that it can't be done. It just changes how it has yeah. to be done. Mm-hmm. Plus, sometimes the interest rates are a little higher. You know, that there's a lot that goes into a true condo versus, you know, a planning unit development. So don't assume townhome means PUD. You know, it. I would anything attached, I would pause. Anything skinny, right, and tall, I would yes. pause and get the documentation. Talk to a title company. Know before you go list or go have your buyer look at it. Don't assume that the seller knows what they're doing either. You exactly. Know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, really take, you know, a, a moment and really get the details worked out. So somebody, one of the agents asked, one of Monty's agents asked me in the class that I taught the other day, Monty, and she says, well, how would I get a copy of the map? You know, I don't have access to that. And one of the things in the contract is you can actually request that kind of documentation. You can request copies of the covenants. You can request especially if it's going to be a tall skinny or a horizontal property mm-hmm. regime, I would request a copy of those covenants um, to make sure. And even if you don't know how to read them, get them to somebody who does know how to mm-hmm. read them. Mm-hmm. So your customer can understand your buyer can understand what it is they are buying. And I've got a map pulled up here and I'll and, put and it I think that's the number one message that, that needs to be conveyed here clearly is, is what you just said right there mm-hmm. is to make sure you get that inf- that information in front of the right people to interpret for your buyer sure so you don't find yourself in in a position where well to the from the customer well you told me this you told me that you know that's the position as realtors we don't want to find ourselves yeah in. and you know i find it interesting <clears throat> jason and you can probably speak on this a little bit so i'm a listing agent i the seller loves me so I'm going to list a property, but that's all that I've done. I'm just listing a property. It looks attached. You know, I don't do the due diligence it's to a point where can I upload the covenants? Can I already have think two steps ahead? Because if you want to be a professional agent, right? Because yeah. a professional buyer's agent is going to demand you to provide, Correct. right? Like you're just referencing, yes. right? I could, I want Correct. to see those things. And as a professional listing agent, I would already do my due diligence, call a lender that you trust or mm-hmm. call us here at CMG financial and my mortgage team. And, and we can do double check. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> but they can, we can already figure out the financing. Why Correct. go into it? This is what's just like, like my, blowing for me where it's like three weeks into the transaction and no one knows what's who's who what's who's on first or exactly. what's on second you know that kind of thing can i get this kind of financing can i get that kind of financing you know already do your due diligence right yes and in front of you guys and and i know you can't see it but i'm going to describe it to the listeners i'm going to show two different maps to the people in front of me they're going to look identical okay yeah. it's two lots they're long there's two houses on there and it looks like the property line runs right down between the two houses so yeah. you know, somebody owns one side one somebody owns the other okay okay and then i'm going to show you 
show you uh, the exact same scenario, two houses side by side. You notice there's no line on this, okay? And, and, and what I'm trying to describe to people is identical houses, two houses, they're long, tall skinnies. In one side, people own from one left to right. That's it. And then this one here, the only thing that people would own would just be the houses. And the entire yard is considered common area here. Mm. So if somebody had a wow. big old barking dog in the backyard, or, or they could set up a campfire literally in your, behind your house. Okay, wow. so this is what mind boggles me too. So is this a builder issue as in like they didn't think two steps ahead for you know, the, the borrower maybe purchasing, why would, the, why would they do that? Why would they do that versus the, the other? The reason? Probably not caring. Right. Meaning I don't, I really think it's just point blank. I'm excited to build a house. I can you possibly, you know, put this is zoned to allow me to put two properties on this one lot. Right. Yes. And I, and the market's crazy and I can make a lot of profit and I build a quality home. Right. Where they're forgetting about the rest of the story that possibly yes more mm -hmm. than likely yes mm -hmm. that's probably the scenario obviously i don't know the people who sure. did this but i would think that yeah because you could draw the line down there and just delineate what is for private ownership and what's not so it's important to know you know what kind of creates a plan unit development and it's all determined by planning and zoning okay mm -hmm. it has to have the right a piece of property has to have the right classification in order for that determines how many houses you can build on a piece sure. of property and Monty and I were talking before we went on air here. You know, he has a property that's coming up for sale, and he was. And, and the sellers are thinking it's one that they could could uh, split up and do an HPR on there. And so the first thing I did was look the property up, find out how big is the property. Mm -hmm. You know, and we looked at the dimensions and figured it was about eleven thousand square right, feet. Right, right the property. The zoning on that piece of property was R11. And so people go, okay, what does that mean? And, and, and without getting too deep into the zoning uh, rules and regulations, when you think like R whatever, whatever number's attached to it, it's in a thousand. Okay, so think of it as a residence, 11,000. So each residence on an R11 piece of property would have to have 11,000 square feet assigned to it. So Monty has one house that has 11,000 square feet. That property can only hold one piece of property. I've seen. So if it was an R5, let's mm -hmm. do that. You need 5,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Well, he would have 11 on the one that he's working on there. Does that make sense? Am mm -hmm. I losing anybody? No, no, that makes sense. So I have one right now. So it's an R6. Okay. It was a home with a detached garage. Okay. okay. So in their mind, it was zone R6, which would allow two properties. Well, it has to have Depends at least 6,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So each one's going to have 6,000. So it's going right. to be 12,000. So keep going. They converted that garage into a full unit yep. and um, it is in a situation where I don't think the sellers thought two steps ahead and um, there is a point dot 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 percentage off you know and so now you're in this pickle that you already converted this garage mm. yeah. you mm -hmm. know and didn't think through through that so yes taking a moment pausing actually figuring out now someone gets caught someone doesn't get caught what ends up happening I mean at the end of the day when you try to go sell it right Somebody who stops them at that point to say, hey, you sh that shouldn't have happened. Well, if they're going to get a loan, that's probably going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're paying cash for it, probably nobody's going to check. But the appraiser referenced to me that. But they're getting a loan. Right. But but the appraiser, how would I know the issue? You get what I'm saying? Where, where would that ever come up? 
except that I can do Carrie, a one unit. drive by each property when you get that. <laughs> well, no, yeah. I mean, the appraisal says I have one unit with an accessory unit, like yes. one one home with an accessory unit, similar to you, you ha- which you had before when you sold, before you sold, right? Mm-hmm. You had a house with an accessory. Yours was attached, but right. it was um, right. an accessory. So in this case, the appraiser tells me that it's not his job to know R6, R11, or, you know, whatever well when they pull building permits i'm hoping they would have pulled building permits metro would have if it's in metro mm. they would have kind of determined mm-hmm. that hey your property doesn't qualify for yeah a second so guess dwelling. what they never pull per- permits so. more than likely mm-hmm. so that's what i'm trying to say is nothing's stopping me who stops me from giving them that loan i don't know any different right mm-hmm. is there who double checks that later in life well, there's many factors. One is, like I said, it starts with, with planning is people pulling permits right. to do that. Some people just finish their garages out without any sort of permit and they try to Airbnb them right. or whatever they do. Um, for our sake, uh, I mean, from a title standpoint, it really doesn't matter to us because it doesn't affect their ownership. It might affect their use of the property, mm-hmm. but it does not. They can still own the property. Mm-hmm. It may be in violation of any zoning regulations or maybe it doesn't qualify for traditional financing anymore. Mm-hmm. But for our sake, we can get them a deed to the house and they would own that right Uh, so a lot of times uh, the appraisers will come out and once they take those pictures it kind of puts you guys on high alert of going hey there's multiple dwellings Mm -hmm. that are on here and this is not fitting you know because traditionally correct me if i'm wrong uh, fannie mae freddie mac fhava it's one lot one house right yeah, I mean, if, for the most part, yeah, or a detached accessory, you or know, I mean, you you can, you're allowed to do that, which I'm, I'm realizing and finding out. But it, what we're trying to say is there's so much more that goes into the sure. transaction. So it's important to be, you know, uh, one that studies your craft, right? And so if you're going to have a buyer, which, which we're experiencing this now, right? Because all this conversation came up, the agent said, you know, I didn't know. I need to pause. I need to do my homework. So she started researching with, you know, codes and permits, et cetera, et cetera. Because what happens when you sell that buyer, that property, where they expected you to be Mm -hmm. the, you know, professional to know all the details um, and nothing was stopping, you know, you and I in regard to that. If the guidelines do allow, the guidelines Mm -hmm. allow, that doesn't mean that the the zoning in the city, you know, ever would have allowed, you know, type of thing. When you see unique properties like that, that have like uh, detached buildings or or separate housing quarters that are on there. I'm not talking about the apartment over the garage that's attached to the house. I'm talking about it may be a detached garage with an apartment mm-hmm. over it. That you know, your 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 the red flag should kind of go up a little bit. Hey, first of all, did they pull permits to actually do all of that work? Um, because if they did not, t- my title insurance policy that we issue, which is the standard American land title, do not cover non-permitting issues. You know, they still can own it, um, but if they have a specific use for the property that they're trying to do, Airbnb it, maybe uh, get somebody else, live, a family member living in there, a, multi, a multi-generational uh, housing, they, they should be checking with, not just assume it's been done right, they should be mm-hmm. checking with planning and zoning to make sure that the house was approved on there, first of all, that um, it's passed all building inspection codes and that the house can function in the manner that they want it to function mm-hmm. in. And I would think that when you go to get your rental permit or whatever with the city, that's probably where it's all going to come up. Yes. You talk about like your Airbnb permits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the County, the the Metro itself, it's a real hot button. Airbnb is right. I mean, people either really hate them. It seems like most people hate them. I don't know. The people that love them are the people that have them. Mm -hmm. And so Metro, I don't think your neighbors love it. If if (laughs) it was that garage, that's right near the next house, you know, that that's your primary home possibly. And, and Metro has gotten really strict on a lot of Airbnb permits, what they will and will not allow uh, for that. And they've really condensed a lot of uh, the the approvals for that. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting them right now, they're, 
pretty much going out and checking them and, and making sure that you're conforming and following what the rules and regulations yeah, are. Yeah, so it'd be neat because the story, you know, continues right now. We were supposed to close Thursday and all this came up, you know. And so it's interesting where it's, you know, where's the rest of the story going to take us? You know, their they're sellers think they can get permits. The buyer doesn't want to buy until they see permits, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. However, rumor has it they never pulled permits to convert the garage right so it's interesting to see Mm. and i you know there's probably many more of these stories that are out there so again when you're in that situation where you see you know it used to be one house now it's too tall and skinny you know or you're looking at a an attached community and um you want to possibly list it it's really take a moment pause you know call your title company figure out exactly what you're looking at the key word here in this this uh, edition is pause i think Mm -hmm. jason i think we, we need to make sure that our agents uh watch this podcast because because my concern right now is that there's been so many cash transactions happen mm-hmm. yeah. and the pressure of closing as quickly as possible and the market being as forgiving as it is right now. One of the things I think we're going to see happen at, you know, in the aftermath of this is these kind of things not being brought to light prior. And now right. suddenly we're going to have some agents that had wished they hadn't helped somebody buy something, unfortunately. And, and I mean, we just it is what it is at this point if they've already bought it. But the point is, I think uh, as a whole, just like, uh, just like you know, years ago when the market was super hot and uh, people were were very forgiving because they, you know, the builder was late and they wanted to get out of the in-laws, you know, basement, and so they said, I don't even want to do an inspection. I just went in the house, and then we found five or six years later when they were selling the home, all kinds of construction problems because they didn't have it inspected. Mm-hmm. You know, well, same kind of thing here. I think the market's so, so forgiving, and there's I've never in my 37 years seen so much cash thrown at properties and i guess sometimes maybe they're pay- paying cash and then refinancing or is, are they yeah we would love that so anybody <laughs> that is paying cash you know we could do delayed financing <laughs> but but anyway my, my point is well let's make sure that let's double make sure that our our agents that weren't attending the class that you had and i'm, I'm glad you're teaching on this because it brings to light a lot of a lot of importance chris on these kind of things that can get p- people in a bad yeah. situation don't judge going. a book by its cover because that cover possibly is not exactly what you think it is, right? It's, it may not be a condo. It may not be a pud. Well, here's the call I always get after closing, right? And I'll take the example I showed you guys, right? Two houses, two different maps that look identical, sure. but two different ownerships, right? And the one that I showed you where the only thing that people would own would just be the units in the whole entire yard was, was just owned right. in common. Mm-hmm. How many people go out there and just think they own down that line where their house is and go put a fence up? Right. Hey, right. I need to fence it in. Yeah. I've got dogs. Mm-hmm. I've got right. to fence that in. Yeah, right. you can't or do I that. i got kids. I need a place I, for them. I need yeah. some place for them yeah. to go. Guess what? In this, in, in this particular scenario, they don't have a right to do that right. on this particular property. So they may bought it thinking they're going to put their dog right. in or, or whatever in there. And then they find out, I can't even put a fence up in my backyard. Well, because it's not your backyard. Right. It's it's our backyard. Our <laughs> backyard that we right. own in common with everybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And so, and by then, guess what, folks? It's once again, it's just too late. And so mm-hmm. I love the pause thing. I, I, it's so hard in our market, as you guys know, mm-hmm. because everybody's, it's so rushed. It's hard to pause. It is. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to hear the word, that no. word mm-hmm. at all. But you know, if you're buying one of these and, and usually if you're working with the right people, we can get answers to you fairly quick. Yeah. 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 But it is important for you as a professional to, you know, know exactly a, what you're listing or B what your, your buyers are, you know, are looking at too. So this was really good. Thank, Thank you, you so much, good. Chris, for being we here. We you, really appreciate Yeah. I hope that's that helpful. Yes. Absolutely. And everybody Absolutely. for joining us today, we can't wait to have you come back. You've been listening to the talk of music city real estate.